it i think i can record it on this computer itself okay let's start off with a prayer om sahana bhavatu sahana bhunaktu sahaviryam karavavahai ೀಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಗುಡ್ ಮಾರ್ನಿಂಗ್ ಗುಡ್ ಈವ್ನಿಂಗ್ ಎವ್ರಿ ವನ್ um uh, i loved last uh, last week's gd i didn't participate and uh, i listened to it yesterday and uh, it was really amazing maybe you know i'll take the opportunity to summarize it and uh, please correct me if i'm wrong um we start off the gd with uh, the scheme of verses from 31 to 55 and how krishna and krishna too explains the setup okay he explains the sankhya yoga first till 31 and then he goes on saying that as per your duty how you have to do it in a practical way of living and basically he summarizes the entire karma yoga and the benefits of having a equanimous mind and that's when arjuna wants to hear more about the karma yoga than the rituals um, and understand that a little better so there was a naha moment that sanskrit is a very flexible language and there was a comment that you know we should look for anvaya gita to learn sanskrit as well through gita then we started talking about the meaning of the word samadhav and uh, it's where the mind is absorbed in and it is not the state the mind is in as per patanjali yoga that was an important distinction that we uh, that we discussed then we talked about pragya what exactly does pragya mean pragya means wisdom beyond intellect is something that we discussed sthita pragya is someone who is steady in that self knowledge or atmajnanam and uh, you know ajay talked about this interesting concept saying that we all go through this phase and i i think i get it and i don't get it and i will also forget it that means we are still not yet established in that knowledge of self knowledge which is absolutely right that's what it is and how is uh, uh, but the, then the interesting discussion happened when uh, you know chitra asked this question how is wisdom different from intellect and that that is a beautiful part of uh, the gd that i really enjoyed so so the question was you know is the wisdom higher than intellect and uh, there was multiple answers in one of the some of the things that i noted down when i was uh, uh, you know reading uh, listening to the uh, gd was wisdom is one truth and is wisdom wisdom leads to discrimination and dispassion and then there was a beautiful example of a parent of a tennis player which was kishore's example as to how he viewed and how he changed that situation in his own mind about his son playing tennis and how he feels about it so there was also uh, uh, another point of view where sthita pragya and sthita dihi what's the difference between these two so sthita pragya is steady wisdom and sthita dihi i understood it as uh uh with steady uh intellect but i'm not 100% sure what what was said because sometimes the audio was a little uh, off uh, when when i listened to it and then there was this beautiful two stories one was the shankara and the cobbler story where uh, and then there was a mirror example somebody quoted 
and both this shankara and cobbler story and mirror example shows when a when when a when a person comes from operates in this world from that state of the being of that he is this brahman then how do they go about then they quote and quote intuitively know everything and then the idea of who sees right the um, uh, alpana was mentioning that okay who sees what so if if you are if you go to a stita pragya and say okay how do you see yourself the question answer is going to come back to you say who sees so now there was this then another part of the discussion which which talked about uh, will a stita pragya take part in daily activities like what we normally do answer is the clear answer is yes and then the question came about how do we bring this attitude into every everyday's life and then of course the gita also says that the characteristics what the enlightened being um, demonstrates on a daily basis are the practices that we as seekers will have to follow on a daily basis and the most important thing is that uh, the uh, the sthita pragya does not have any desires prajahati yada kaman i think uh, that was that was the word used in the gita Uh, and then the discussion again pivoted off saying that, okay hey is it really possible not to have any desires that as long as we are in this human body right and that was a pretty interesting discussion and uh, the question the way that ajay framed the question somebody else framed the question i don't remember can we will the desires to go away or they have to drop off naturally was a very very powerful question and i think that's a very uh, important thing i think we have to probably you know uh, think about that and the way that the that we discussed last week was really beautiful so there was this words that was used saying that suppression is not equal to desires going away that means basically you got to experience the desires overcome that and then drop them off and uh, the dropping it off can happen in two ways and krishna gave this example of a child uh playing not coming for dinner and uh, the mother calling and then at some point of time he drops off the playing and gets to the dinner that's one way of doing it second way of doing it is intellectually you know understanding okay it doesn't make sense you got a higher goal and you attach yourself to the higher um and then there was also a question was uh, uh, can desires go away completely the answer is very uh, very clear the desires need not go away completely it's just that we got to figure out how to make them our desires into a non binding desires basically it will become a simple preference to us rather than you know if i don't get it you know i am gone or if i get it i'll be the most happiest person that does not matter anymore what matters is okay if i get it great if i don't get it great and um, alpana used uh, uh, um, uh 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 three three she explained three types of desires the desire to live again the audio was a problem the desire to live desire to enjoy and desire to know and i could not get it the sanskrit words of it and maybe alpana you might want to repeat that once so that uh, at least i understand it <laughs> okay and so that's what i kind of you know captured in in my uh, uh listening in of last week's gd and i hope that i have not missed anything if i missed please anybody else can please add all right great so uh, maybe this 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 week's gd alpana would you want to repeat that in sanskrit for my sake the desire to live desire to enjoy desire to know what did you say in sanskrit so the three desires are jijivisha jijivisha is the desire to live 
and then jignasa which is the curiosity to know the desire to know and then bubukshutpam which is desire to enjoy the pleasure the pleasure seeking so these okay. are three okay got it if they are converted into mumukshutpam then that overrides all of these desires ah uh, okay got it and then um, i don't think we discussed it in the last gd but uh, um, so so again going back to 5 it says you know you need to give up all the desires so again swami spg goes you know what can be given up can self be given up no you can't give up yourself meaning um, in 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 a deeper term self cannot be given because self is the only thing and giver and giving needs at least two things so how how will you give up self because who will you give it to so that's self can't be given up and then he says what you can't own you cannot give up uh, he gives the example of somebody comes and says i'll give you central park you don't own it so you cannot give it up so so it's more like you know whatever we don't own and then he goes on to say okay do we think we own this body no did we write any contract so he goes on his uh, this thing that okay you can say i bought the uh i bought the food that we ate but who grew the food did he own the space so so things like that so you don't own them so how can you give up those things that you don't own so what you can actually give up is uh, i have to I have to read because he says that part of not self that you have appropriated to yourself that's the only thing you can give up and um he says monks in himalayas they say he he said it nicely that you have uh, appropriated to yourself but the monks in himalaya say what you have dishonestly stolen from the world you can give up that um, because it's not you, you don't you cannot own anything so so this was his explanation of you know mm. another way to look at you know how to give up desires that was that was quite that was really nice that was really nice all right so with that thank you alpana and with that we probably will uh, uh, uh will start off in the usual format anybody can pick on the thread and uh, share your aha moments and we'll get off from there who wants to go today krishna as usual is that you, is that you who are going to say something today first i wasn't about to but since you called on me i might as well um no just to actually add on to the point of goody uh, still still the pragna still have desires or uh, what on give up giving up uh, i just recollect swami parmatananda ji's uh, nice words so he says like even after all the self realization everything uh, if you, if you do not come back in contact with ahankara your body will just be inert you are as good as like always in samadhi mode so you need to come back to contact with ahankara to come back to the world to do something but he gives a very nice example of but now you are like the person watching the tele serial you switch on the tele serial you can laugh with it and you can cry with it but you always have the knowledge i can switch off the tv and then i can be in a very happy state so uh, that is how he he connects that thing so you still come back and do all those things but just that you know that you are just like the witnesser and not actually part of the tele serial to to go through all those things yeah nice so today we are discussing i think 56 and 57 right or did i miss the number 
57, 58. Okay, okay, yeah. Actually, just we, before we move on, just one more thing, again, back to Swami SPG. He says, when will, if the question arises in your mind, when will I be fully established? Will I be fully established when I complete one round of Bhagavad Gita? No. Um, when I have read so many books? No. When I have completed meditation? No. When I have a lot of devotion to God? No. <laughs> so you will only be fully established only when all these desires are gone. So that is one you know, test of whether, um, whether it is there. But at the same time, you know, all of the things that he mentioned, it's not that they're not important because they're very important to polish the vase or polish the, the you know, antahakar. I thought that was, <laughs> that was another gem from him. We can now move on to yes, or fifty-six. Yeah. No, and and just to uh, just to add to that, right? You know, I think Swami Guru Parananda says in that similar fashion. Okay, you know, if if you ask somebody, um, when will I get? I'm, when will I? How, after how many idlis will I? You know, will my stomach be full? You know, the, the answer is you know you will know it only when you eat it, and uh, as many idlis as you need is what what you would need, right? You cannot say, you know, at fourth idli, you'll be full, and fifth idli, you'll be full. Likewise, you know, listening is like, listening, Shravan, Manan, Nididhyasana is exactly like that. You've got to keep listening it multiple times for you to get that understanding so that now you know, okay, yes, I've got it, right? Till that time, it you have no choice but to go through the path, Shravan, Manan, Nididhyasana. So I like the idlis. <laughs> That's one of my favorite... Uh, <laughs> Uh, not only the dish, but also the exact. Uh, Rajesh, adding to that idli thing, well, one day you can have idli, but you'll be again hungry. So next day again, idlis. So like that, I think we have to continue. Absolutely, absolutely. And 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 I I hope you also remember that joke, right? The guy goes and he says uh, he, he's a nice baniya type of a guy, and it's a joke. You know, it's probably not related to this, but nevertheless, a nice joke we can laugh after. So he goes to a South Indian. From North North India, he goes to a South Indian restaurant and he says uh, to the waiter, "You know, uh, what do you have that can that that can make my hunger go away?" He says uh, he reels out a list of items. He says you can take any one of them, and uh, he says, "Okay, fine, get me idlis." So he gets some idlis and uh, uh, he keeps uh, eating idlis, idlis. You know, some three plates, four plates, he eats idlis, and then the, when the bill comes, he pays for just the last plate of idli. And then uh, the waiter says, you, are, you ate four plates of idlis, why are you paying me only for one plate of idli? Then he says, you told me that, you know, you have idlis that will make my hunger go away. The first three plates did not make my hunger go away, so I'm not going to pay for it. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Uh, so you're saying there are three types of desires, desire to live, enjoy, and knowledge right people who are enlightened so uh, are we saying that they don't even have the desire to um, gain extra knowledge they all three are gone that they, they are content with themselves yes okay in the contentment of how do you call a person is completely contented? Actually, it uses the same similar three words. Um, again, the Sanskrit words. When there is krit there is gyatavyata and pratavyata. 
pratavyata which means kritkritya is they'll actually would have done whatever is to be done so then there are no more duties left etc and then pratavyata is they have achieved whatever is to be achieved there is nothing more to achieve so here again it goes back to the same thing if everything is just one self whatever i mean you'll only want something which is not in you right other than you but there is nothing other than you so you you have actually received everything so that's why the feeling of that pratavyata will come and then the third thing is gyatavyata what is there to know there is nothing else to know because there is nothing else that exists only self exists it's different forms of it but so you can go into what all forms appear that also don't they don't really exist they only appear so that's why all the three desires go away because of these three contentment so this is known as the the gyani is actually that's how he is deeply content thank you actually you know um, uh, this was a very very hard concept for me to understand and for a long time i struggled with this concept and one day it clicked me and i think i think i mentioned this to sakuba i remember we were having this chat at one one point of time and i i shared him a, uh, one of swami guru parananda's uh, 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 talk also so basically here is what here is what one day it break the broke the ice for me right see at the end of the day we seem to alpana you used this words you know we seem to have appropriated uh some part of it as our own self and that's uh, that's what we are trying to get rid of in the whole process because that's a wrong acquisition what we have made and that's the ego the sense of identity saying that i am doing it i am not doing it kind of a uh, kind of a thing so uh, if you look at it if you look at it from a from a uh, from the holistic perspective you know the body does not belong to us it belongs to bunch of microbes or it it can be sliced and diced in multiple ways you know the parents can claim the body belongs to them because they gave birth birth to the body and you know multiple ways you can you can slice and dice it so the body does not belong to you the mind does not belong to you the nature claims because everything comes from nature you know whatever that we eat and comes comes to us as body and mind so what is it that that we have as quote and quote that we call ourselves as i seems to be very i would say um, uh, vacuous there's nothing in it but there's still a notion that this is who i am unfortunately that's the reality that we hold on to that drives our entire life the moment you break it then you're able to reconstruct your entire life in a totally different way and that's the uh, the strong sense of identity wrong identity that we have it, i think mukku keeps talking about that the self of self identity right i think it's the wrong sense of self identity saying that okay i am this body at this point of time therefore i need this and i need that i am this body mind this part of my mind this part of my body therefore i need that that's the wrong notion that we have you know i want to build relationships because i have this. not that the relationships are bad but at a certain stage in our life because we have identified with with a certain part of our body and mind we need those things but the reality is that's the notion that we have to break in terms of the relationship in uh, relationships or objects or desires or anything like that and it's nothing wrong with having that that's the i, I just want to uh, make sure that you know i've clarified that from from my understanding i i have a question um in 56 uh, swami chinnyananda is saying um, in the last stanza krishna considered man as an actor and here in 56 he is considering him as an experiencer 
So I was trying to, I really couldn't understand. Um, so if anyone has understood, why is he considering in 55 as an actor and 56 as an experience, it would be nice if someone can throw some more light on it. Go back to the textbook. I did not even see it. 56 first paragraph, Rajesh. The only thing I could understand was in 55, he's talking about no desire. So the actor or, you know, the act or the act that you have taken is one of no desires. Whereas here he's saying you're unaffected. So you're experiencing it, but you're unaffected. So it's a different viewpoint. <laughs> I don't know. No, I think I also understood it like that only in the in, in the fifty I think it talks about in, in fifty-five, if you look at it, it talks about uh, what would what would a Sita Pragna do? Okay, when when you look at his external manifestations, you know, if he does something or if he does not do something in for this world or whatever, what is that he's a, he's acting on this world, but on what basis is he acting? Now the next phase is the 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 whatever his actions that he does. He will get back some results, right? And those could be, you know, you know, a lot of Swamiji's. For example, if we can take that example of Swamiji's, right? They are, they kind of, you know, given flack for lots of lots of things that they do and they or they don't do. And but how do they receive it at that point of time? If he's a Sita Pragya, right? If he's quote unquote not a fake Swami but is a real Swami, how do they receive it? They really don't care. They have the same thing. Dukesh Manaha. That's the attitude what they will have. That's how I've understood these two shlokas. Maybe you know, I, <clears throat> on, on the same context, you know, I just wanted to add something from uh, uh, Professor VK's book. You know, so he says that the shlokas 55 to 58 are like you know four successive steps in a spiritual journey, but in the opposite order actually. You know, like 55 being the highest level and uh, 58 that we'll be talking later is at the, um, you know, uh, say the lowest level. So basically at, in, in, in 58, you know, so there is a desire to enjoy the objects that gives us pleasure, but, you know, we make an effort to keep them under control. So that's 58. Then 57, he says that, you know, when even, you know, even when the sense objects are being experienced, you don't really get attracted to the experience. So that is, you know, that's what I explained in 57. 56 says the attachment is there, you know, the attachment is not there even with the sense objects themselves. Okay, so so the experience, uh, experiencer part that is being talked about, you know, so he says that attachment is not even there with the sense object themselves. And 55 is, you know, where are the sense objects? I mean, sense objects themselves, you know, do not exist for such a person. So he says, like, you know, it's, these four should to be, you know, sealed together, and uh, 
55 is the highest level and 58 is the kind of lowest level. very beautiful very i very did not even make the reverse connection it was so beautiful thank you thank you akuba that's very well said i was actually i also read it the same thing and i was going to say it before you said it but lovely fantastic from shloka 56 the word spriha is quite interesting uh, so it, uh, in english it translates as a desire to preserve and perpetuate so there's no one single word in english which can replace spriha spriha is whatever you have you want to protect it and you know you want to get more of it um and uh, so so other words are like having thirst for it hankering for it protect it preserve it things like that so spriha is that so whenever we get happy this these are the things we want to do we want to preserve that object of happiness we want to get more of it thinking because we had it earlier and also if somebody else is having happiness we want to acquire it that we will also get happiness so all these things mixed together is the word spriha Wow, Sanskrit is so powerful, actually. <laughs> That's very, very deep, up, no? <laughs> Unless someone explains some of these words, it's so difficult to translate them exactly word by word into English, right? You know, you you can look up the dictionary meaning, and you can end up with a you know completely opposite and wrong meaning of the of the uh, shloka with uh, with a wrong understanding even udvigna mana that is a very beautiful word and what is this it, the feeling of udveg what is it so the, the way it is explained is uh, when you have a liking for something so then the rajogun takes a seat that you want to acquire it right and then if you are not able to acquire it so it's an unfavorable outcome that is known as dukh and when this when you get this dukh then you start thinking oh i did not put in effort i am a sinner or things like that you know anything which is related to the unfavorable so you start dikar uh, hai uh, dikar is uh, what's the english word for dikar Criticism. You lament your criticism. You lament yourself, etc. So from that, you get into the state of not acting. So the tamogun becomes higher, and then you pashchatap. Pashchatap is you regret. That is the feeling of utvikna. <laughs> so it's a you know. because udveg you can say ya perturbed etc but exactly how the steps are followed from from you know not achieving it from rag so how is it linked to so that is the feeling of actually udveg which one shouldn't have beautifully said alpna very nice is that what is giving up yeah you almost give up and then you uh, regret not doing certain things 
So that feeling, you know, of yeah. uh, is, is actually the udweg that happens because of any sorrow, any dukh. And and that is only because we are. Um, of all the attachment attachment and we are expecting certain form of result yeah. right yeah 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 actually the, the word attachment is a very wrong uh, wrong english word in my view because attachment already shows that there are two parts which are joined together but there are nothing two parts there you know it's only in the mind mm. That's why, you That's know, when, when, when people say, you know, when people used to comment at one point of time, okay, uh, Rajneesh as a, you know, as one of those uh, um, guys who drives in Rolls Royce and all that, I, I, I always used to wonder, you know, did Rajneesh actually really bother whether he was traveling in a Rolls Royce, golden Rolls Royce or not, right? In my view, probably he did not bother. He did not care for him, care for it. Mm. In Rajneesh means Osho. Yeah. Actually, VP and I are listening to his talks from 1972. So this is all the pre-era of Rolls-Royce, etc. And his talks are so powerful. And in fact, uh, uh, there's one, one lecture where he shares how he, will, he can be misunderstood when he says, drink the actual alcohol and get addicted to it. What he means to say is when you get the self, the addiction you get out of that and being in that. And he said, people will quote me wrong. And exactly that was what happened. And similar thing he said about, you know, about the beauty. His interpretation of beauty was just so different from, you know, how it started getting interpreted towards later part of his life. But interestingly, he actually, there's one, one lecture where he describes all this. And he says, people will misunderstand me and they can, misquote me on this, but you have to really understand what I'm trying to say. And he goes on to explain that. And, and it also shows that that means he manifested it himself. That, you know, what he's trying to say, people will misunderstand it completely. And they did. I mean, that's where, I don't know what happened to it, the later part of life, in his life. But there, There's a documentary on him. Uh, I think it's Netflix somewhere. Uh, oh. Wild West, some, some, uh, I forget the whole name, but it has Wild West, the wording. But if you watch that, um, you can totally misunderstand him. So, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a personal, a personal anecdote, right? I, I was, I read, I picked up one of his books called From Sex to uh, Super Spirituality or Super uh, Something. Okay. I don't remember. The word uh, sex got stuck in my brain at that point of time, right? So when I listened to, when I read it, when I, was, when I wanted to read it, I bought it in a train station. I was embarrassed to sit in a train and read that book. So I bought a newspaper, I covered it, and I was reading that book. It was so... <laughs> Rajesh, since we are discussing Osho, maybe we should hear from Rajiv because I think he's the resident expert on Osho. He was listening to him back in Bitsblani. And that's how I, I, you know, got a little taste of Osho back then. Obviously, I used to think that he's out there. He's a very uh, tamasic person and whatnot. Obviously, now I think differently. But Rajiv, you want to share? Uh, yeah. You... So I mean, well, see, in context, so kafi zada. 
I don't want to go out of context. So with Osho, yes, I think his talks are very powerful, and uh, his voice, what he has written, and you know, I mean, if you see after Yoga Nanda Paramansa, and you know, all these guys, the kind of stuff that he has spoken, written, and lot of it spontaneous cannot come. You know, I don't know he was enlightened or not. I can't comment on that, but but I think he was almost there. so i think jorsne whatever he has said and done a lot of it is original of course it's inspired quite a bit by buddha and zen you know he's combined buddha buddha zen taoism and all that in his talks but yes i think he was very powerful but uh, you know i mean what happened with manan shila and the way he reacted you know after that and there was so much of anger and angst so i mean uh, my view on this and vpn i often discuss about it is that you know instead of trying to worry instead of trying to worry whether the guy was enlightened or not you know and then starting to deciding whether to follow him or not my view is you know whether somebody is enlightened or not really doesn't bother me so much as long as you know he is able to teach me something so that's where i see and uh, when rajesh was talking about you know that maybe it the rolls royce did not matter to him so i think it it even if it mattered to him you know it's it's okay you know because if it didn't matter to him then he should have it one or two would have sufficed you know i mean why did he need a fleet of them and why did he what all he did in the us and creating that city of course there's that you know film on the netflix but i've read about it earlier also so this is my take in a nutshell that yes he has he brings a lot to the table and uh, whether or not he was enlightened enlightened is a question mark and uh, i think but he had a lot to contribute and yes i mean you take any subject uh, you know i mean right from yoga tantra bhairavi where he talks about the meditation methods when that he is the first guy in my life i got i got to know that there are 108 methods so i had actually taken the book from you know bits ref library only or uh, not the ref library the other one where you could i think borrow the books you know so i think yes he was i mean very very evolved guy on this plane but uh, that part i is still a question mark for me yep let's probably you know uh, park osho because that will get into a big uh, rat rat hole for us we will not come out of it so i see chitra raised your hand yeah so um i i mean like osho is also part of this is basically this uh, the shloka is about how do you know who is a realized person right and uh, that's what um the gita is trying to say so i uh, you know very interesting uh, just like osho i mean i don't know a lot of us um, we some of you have gurus that are alive and some of you have gurus that are no longer in the physical body uh, but you would have heard stories where you know the guru got really angry at the shishya and uh, so obviously for a person who is outside looking at it just like osho right you're outside uh, you are uh, outside the experience right so you don't have any background of the guru or the shishya or what is being taught and being received yeah uh so for you you it will look like oh, this guru is showing anger so he is not a guru right because one of the things is you show don't show anger and you know uh, so i think it's much deeper than that i think it also depends on uh, what is our um, capacity to 
understand like rajesh was saying right the first time i didn't understand then i had to read it again so obviously i think the more our mind expands the more we are able to take these uh, inconsistencies better maybe because we are able to see behind the inconsistencies versus just not being on the surface of the inconsistencies so i think although it is very easily said yeah someone who is you know without uh, attachment fear and anger but i think for us we will have to work a lot more on ourselves to actually even understand that and go behind the drama of the guru or the realized soul to really see so as i think uh, rajiv said we should not even try to understand we should just do what we have to do and when the time comes you know we will understand that's what i wanted to say yeah no yeah. and you are right and that's that's an important aspect of it because at the end of the day um uh, yeah, yeah i think we've had this discussion in this group for multiple multiple times right in in terms of okay, how do how do you find a guru when do you find a guru i don't think you need to look for a guru the guru will drop drop in your lap when you're prepared and it's not just one person as a guru it can be any any person or multiple persons or one a book or whatever it could be a guru but it's just uh, i don't think that you know we should worry about looking for a guru i agree and also sometimes it could be just people you meet you know this um you could learn from everyone even your enemy supposedly quote and quote enemy you will learn something so i think it's i don't think there is i mean until you find i mean i'm not i know some of you have gurus here so i can't Uh, i'm not talking about that but if you don't have someone i think if we can start looking at everyone we meet in our life as you know as a guru because they are teaching us something or the other including our spouses <laughs> the first guru <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway i wanted to put that point about i don't think it's so easy to recognize if you just take these points about you know stitta pragya and I, I i think we will have to expand a lot more before we can even understand that uh, in in another human being that's it chitra and also because i think even when you get the guru yeah you have to go beyond the person because it's the guru tatva in the person that you really actually learn from because the body that even the guru is learning it is because of sampradaya and they'll go through those it's just that they don't see they see uh, two eyes so one is the eye which is the body which they use just for transactioning and the other eye is the one which they are really established so the one that they are really established is in is the same eye that they are going to show you so yes you have to go beyond definitely the 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 body and even the mind yeah now that we are at the topic you know i think it's 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 probably one thing which is important to mention here is many many of us uh, sorry this probably a little deviation from the shlokas that we are reading but uh, since the context is there let's talk about that for a second right so many of us have this notion at one point of time or the other saying that no uh, you know um, a human being can't be um you know i can't pray to a human being kind of an attitude right i can't fall at somebody's feet unless it is my father or my mother or some quote quote and quote elder that i know in in my family how can i go fall at somebody's feet and seek their blessings it's all pretty wrong notion about it if you think about it you know at the end of the day it's it's our ego talking the 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 notion that we have 
uh, appropriated for ourselves, saying that, okay, this is who I am. Therefore, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. That, that notion till it breaks, you know, I don't think uh, it is easy to find that particular source who can help you take the next step. Sri. Yeah. Welcome so, back, first of all. Thank you so much. Thanks. Uh, sorry about that. That I was uh, off the radar for some time. And uh, this topic of Guru is really fascinating and that brought me back into a couple of uh, discussions I've had. Um, I, whenever there's a satsang with any Swamiji or Guru, I, this is one of the questions I ask them. Um, I don't want to put them in the spot. Something like what Vivekananda went about asking, like, have you seen God? I ask them, like, okay, who, in your opinion, is a realized soul, Sita Pragna kind of thing? So do you consider, have, do you know anybody that who is? And uh, obviously, if I if they say they are, I would be a little shocked. Uh, and then sometimes some people, some Swamiji's or Gurus, they say that their Guru is, or they know somebody, and some of them I know, some of them I don't. Um, very rarely I've heard anybody say that they are themselves. And again, this is something that I kind of have a problem with many any of our living gurus here because they are all living, breathing human beings with all the human fallibilities or whatever, right? So obviously they do things that are down to earth and uh, sometimes we could consider like selfish or whatever that is, the very fact that they're living, that means that they have to have those things. So it's hard for me to visualize anybody to be on a different plane while they are in a mature, in, in, a, in this human selfish earth kind of thing. So that's one thing. So I always prefer that the message that they are, the contents is more than the container. So that's a, that's a challenge for me. Um, on that note, on, on a different note that you guys had talked about gurus, we don't have to have one guru. It doesn't have to be human being. That reminded me of this uh, uh, very famous uh, thing called 24 Teachers of Dattatreya, uh, where he talks about uh, the guru can not be human being. He, he talked about different things you can learn from different elements of nature, like the earth teaches you this, the wind teaches you this, the bumblebee teaches you this. And uh, uh, so, like, for example, the wind teaches you not to be attached at all. It blows through a garbage dump and it blows through a uh, rose, uh, rose garden. Still, it doesn't carry that smell everywhere. And the earth teaches you patience. So, for you, you don't have to have that one sanctioned, officiated guru, but you could have this from the 24 teachers like that. So, that's another concept to consider. Beautiful. Well said. Good to get validation from Dattatreya himself. I've, for the most part, been relying on, as I've mentioned before, Swami Google Ananda and Swami YouTube Ananda. That is funny. I, I think it's a very, um, it's a very double-sided or it's a, it's a, no, it's a very, uh, I would not say there's a very straight answer to this also. Because just like when we were students, right, we had a teacher, right? And the teacher kind of knew, um, what is, what is it that they're going to, uh, the big picture, right? Um, so I think, I think it's, it's a give and take. Sometimes, yes, you're right, uh, the air and the earth. But I think uh, we also come with a lot of our own uh, inner, what do you call it, uh, whatever, through the number of births we have taken. You know, we, we come with our own things that we can't see in ourselves or we don't even realize that it is there then sometimes it helps if there is uh, someone who can see beyond and kind of, you know, give that little tweak. 
then you can go on your own for some time and then another tweak so i think it's a i don't think just one could work i feel you need to have at least i feel you need to have both you can't just work with just you know but of course you have to be you know it has to be in your destiny to have a guru who's going to guide you and i have one thing to say i agree with what chitra is saying you know how we go through life about a teacher you know and you come to you go through phases where it's an unconditional faith and belief in what a teacher says maybe in the early years and then as you go through that very same teacher would have inculcated into you the uh, ability or the power to question and to doubt and then hopefully you'll meet a teacher who'll actually be able to relate and not be offended by those questions and to then help you move to the next level so i think a lot of the times what happens is you go through life with a whole set of teachers i mean that's what all of you've been saying it doesn't have to be this one teacher but it is that a teacher will be somebody who will empower you to ask questions to have a discussion and then find the answers yourself uh, anupama that's a, that's a very good point in fact Uh, i'm not sure whether you heard of swami tadatmananda he's a, a white man who's a sishya of uh, swami dayananda and he was actually one of the first persons who exposed me to geeta and he lives uh, he has his own ashram in new jersey and one thing that he said that still struck me is to find out how a good a teacher is is by using this method uh, in ancient indian uh, things that the teachers used to encourage dialogue encourage questioning encourage uh, discussion never felt threatened of what they knew so this they used this uh, analogy where uh, the teacher would ask the student to dig a small hole in the ground and put a pole in it the small hole and then he would ask him to fill that hole with the sand so that the pole stands straight and uh, he will pull this up put the hole and then the teacher will shake the hole uh, the put the pole and the, obviously the pole will get tilted and the student will have to put in more sand so that the pole is straight then the teacher will take shake the pole again and the student will have to put more sand to fill in such that the pole there's no more place for you to pull it more sand sand and the pole is firm and st- uh, steady and straight so the point here is same thing the teacher will give you a point and and then the student will question the teacher will okay the, the moment the, the student thinks that he has understood the teacher will deliberately sow in a seed of doubt in that the student student will again ask a question then he deliberately he will provoke him such that the teach, student's understanding is firm and unshakable like the pole in that hole so that kind of concept is the vedic way of questioning and the socratic method or whatever that they call it right so that yeah. when uh, when i heard swami tadatmananda mentioned that so i knew like this guy is really um, because he he was like a white american who was a computer scientist at boeing and so on he went and literally like swami vekananda he went from teacher to teacher finally he said dayananda is my guru when he uh, chose that path and uh, darshavidya that that uh, philosophy that uh, 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 parampara he follows so when he said this okay i, I could get that okay because he's a seeker himself and he uh, went through that same method and uh, so that one thing i think sir, that's one uh, a method that's uh, to be appreciated and no, no, and for those of you who is in, who are interested and especially for those people who are interested in uh, the yoga and tantra and kundalini you know to understand what those aspects are watch his uh, uh, documentary he's made a documentary called the swami and the serpent okay it talks about the kundalini power it's on amazon prime or netflix one of the things it's a one hour documentary you would love it 
Ajesh, please. Ajesh, did you post it last yeah. year? Yes, I did. I don't know how many of you watched it though. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I watched it. I actually was very. I watched it maybe two, three times because it was very fascinating. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, I will post it. I will post it in the group. Okay. The Swami and the Serpent. So Rajesh, to, to your point earlier, right? So uh, ego and guru and ego and all that, uh, touching the feet. I have two experiences. Uh, I happen to have um, uh, one or two uh, swamis as gurus. So fortunately, and, and of course, you're all my gurus too. So uh, earlier, I my, my parents uh, were very, very much a follower, uh, even now, so of a guru. And that's how I happened to know this person. And... Um, I used to do Pada Puja with them, but I never understood the concept of that, right? So uh, it's just, now I understand it's surrendering your ego, right? So that, that's what it is, basically. And I blindly used to think, why are they doing it? It's, it's, why do you have to touch someone's feet and do this puja and all that? But slowly I, I happened to do it myself, not in the presence of parents once I um, um, uh, came out of my parents house right so and and he never said this but recently he recent experience that was two three years back he said you don't have to do this full puja and that's when I understood that there's a meaning to it maybe till now he was making me do this, not making me, I was also interested. I started believing in that. Um, I had something to lose, right? To, to give off or give it up, right? Which was ego, obviously um, it's not fully gone, but to some extent, right? So at least that awareness came probably now, now um, uh, I don't have to do a full-fledged thing. So that, that's one thing. And the other thing is why do uh, some gurus have, like um, the discussion we had, um, he doesn't have to go in um, uh, this Rolls uh, cars or, or whatever they have, right? So around them, this materialistic things. Sometimes these, uh, I have seen an instance where um, a follower, would uh, give certain presents to guru, though he, they are not into materialistic things, they would want the gurus or the people who they love to have them, right? And if they don't, then they get um, uh, disturbed in one way or the other. Um, so for them to, to keep them happy, sometimes they have to do certain things. And then once that realization comes in them, then they take off those, obviously give them up. So I have seen those instances also. So maybe that could be the reason. That's what I think. Yeah, well said. Absolutely. I think it's best not to judge, quote unquote, any guru. Yeah. Like Swami SPG tells a story which is 
but uh, but he says you know in kashi um in it's in olden days you know there was a there was almost like a beggar but probably quite an evolved soul he was standing on the uh, banks of the the river shivering in you know cold without clothes etc and there was a princess who was passing by in a palanquin so he sees the he sees the 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 soul and she gets a sense that he's a very evolved soul so he asks his uh, her men to go and give a blanket so they cover him up with a blanket and then she goes away next day morning she comes again and he sees, and she sees the same person again without a blanket shivering standing there <laughs> she go she asks her men to go and find out what happened so when the when the people go and try to find and so say it in hindi i think most of you will get it he said main kya daroga baitha hu jo tumhare tumhare blanket ki raksha karunga basically these guys are you know <laughs> you give it that's fine somebody comes and takes it that's fine too so i mean yeah, it's similar to the point that lakshmi was making some of them yes you may see that you know they're sitting with all the luxuries etc but more than often it is because of the devotees and the followers that they want to give these guys have no problem with it you want to give you give you want to take it away you take it away i think that's the, the pragya part of it exactly in shloka you know 56 where you don't even resist <laughs> so yeah well said um i'm going to request something maybe um as an exercise we can do it in, in the whatsapp group maybe each of you can list who you consider as gurus and who you consider as the pragya soul i'm just curious good exercise good exercise yeah actually on the teacher uh, i had one more story on swami spg so he used to say uh, the second year third year students they will they come to him and then say maharaj your teaching has improved a lot it is very cool and then he says no i am teaching the same subject for 7 years it's just that like after year 1 and 2 you have no improved you are able to understand me better so uh, i kind of sometimes think the same thing like i read once and i get something and then the second time oh this author has written bhagavad gita way better than the previous one and then i oh no 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 that is the same thing it's just like me slowly evolving to understand like one more deeper detail of it yeah when the when the student is ready the teacher appears so i think all over the world like if you can translate that uh, there are teachers everywhere okay i think we have probably not deviated a lot from uh, from the shlokas that we've been uh, looking at so um, you know one thing that 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 struck to me was like okay the characteristics of the sita prajna are the um, uh, practices for a seeker you know how do you guys interpret that in our daily life and how should we practice them i like the example of the uh, the tortoise given like a choice being able to pull back the five senses uh, indulgences of the the five senses that seem like a very uh, practical thing but if you can get that thought at that moment oh i am now reacting to the situation so that was i think like one uh, quick practical thing that could be applied as i read it i'd love to hear more 
um in in the in the christian movement they used to have this quote called what would jesus do and they used to wear a band that would say wwjd maybe we should do that what would sita pragnya do what would sd or something like that and at that given time when we are angry and we could do something really regrettable we would look at it and say hey what would sita pragnya do at this moment and then maybe that will pull us back that tortoise's arms kind of thing and we'll back to nice. control Yeah, so the thing is to catch right to catch that moment i think that is what is very important before it becomes at least for us uh, because we have not reached a point where we can catch it even before the thought comes i think for us definitely the thought comes maybe before it becomes an action maybe we can catch it <laughs> yeah exactly that that's a trick is to introduce an intentional pause between stimuli and response for everything we tend to be we rush to respond for every stimuli we get and when we try to introduce that pause i think that will prevent us from doing things regrettable or uh, doing something in haste and i guess like this sita pragnya probably they do get that same stimuli as us but they don't respond as uh, hastily as like us i think in their mind the process itself is different now because for us it's our i right so we get hurt like if someone comes to me and says what a stupid idea was this so i know i am all all you know i'm saying this is my idea and they're calling me stupid how dare they call me stupid right but i think they for them that thought doesn't even come it's like ah oh, stupid idea okay let's move on what's the next you know so i, I think that 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 is i don't know if we can hopefully we can get there but i think the uh, the way they process the stimuli itself is different i think from the way we process it i i think we find it difficult to uh, separate ourselves from that stimuli as quickly as i think they don't even have a i don't know yeah it's the it's the it's yeah just 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 on chitra's point uh, you know i it's, it's like your example rajesh of the second arrow i mean we all get the first arrow which is outside the control and it's the second arrow which is you know if somebody says something bad that happens in a moment and then we spend sort of hours thinking about it later which actually causes all the hurt and uh, and stuff so to to shree's point i mean what do we what do you know we, how do we need to think differently it's really about sort of sort of forgetting what somebody said because that's kind of only going to hurt you and nobody else and uh, yeah so i mean i think i think that's kind of the critical thing very hard to do i'm sure uh because we all get sort of you know engaged into somebody else's comment but then i think the realization that it's only going to hurt me and nobody else that's very important one ah nice so two things one is you take a back and one is you realize it's going to get hurt i mean i'm hearing two things correct the second arrow is 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 the kind of the the the, the hurt or the pain that you feel uh which is all your own doing and goes back to what kishore explained uh, during that, uh, that that those presentations right that the antidote the engagement process when a thought comes to we continue to engage with it or what is an uh, opposite antidote that we can really introduce so that we change our thought so i think what she is saying is almost that when you are in that moment you know if we all have this up our sleeve you know what does sita pragna do when you know those thoughts can be introduced 
that changes our reaction and further engagement with that thought. Krishna. Oh yeah, uh, one more on that note, I liked how there was a very nice root cause analysis kind of given. So it's uh, ragaha, krodaha, uh, like the attachment and then krodha, fear, bayaha and then krodaha. In that, in that order, that I thought was again, like if you look at all the situations, why did I get angry or uh, why did I overindulge or something? It goes back to a fear, which goes back to like this attachment that started uh, ragadvesha or the raga part that started the whole thing. Uh, yeah, I kind of look at that as a way to see, oh, this is the thing that caused it, at least even if not able to catch it in real time all the time. Uh, to be able to think, oh, this is the thing that caused it, and then see how be prepared for the situation later on uh, as, a, as a note to self. And uh, one thing I just wanted to point out, you know, the same thing, right? Uh, the Raga, Bhaya, Krodha, all of them are emotions. They're not at intellect level. Rajesh, can you explain? What I meant is, all our confusion is only because of our emotions, emotional mind, and not because of our intellect. The, um, yeah, no, absolutely. These are at emotional level, but I think there's another story which goes uh, that there's an elephant in our heart, and elephant, by practice, you can make the elephant do whatever you want to do, but yet, you know, at times elephant may go because elephant is more powerful than the Mahat, right? If he doesn't listen to and somewhere it goes, the Mahat is actually the intelligence, but it can get deluded when the elephant is not going where, where the Mahat wants to go. The, the intellect can begin to think, oh no, he is doing what I wanted to do. This, so he gets deluded. And even, so that's, that's just the part that I wanted to highlight. Yeah, that rag, by and Krodh are part yeah. of um, mind, but the intellect gets, can start thinking that, oh, no, this was the situation when I wanted the mind to be angry and it is doing the right thing. So, so that's where it just overtakes sometimes. Yeah, if you can't defeat them, join them. That's what the intellect, yeah. the, the intellect does. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Correct. But it's very, it's, very, it's, it's very interesting the way... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was going to just say, I was kind of just looking at the different sort of shlokas starting with 54, which is the four questions of who's a Sthritha Pragna and then how does he talk, sit and something else uh, and walk, I guess. And uh, how 55 was answering the first question, which is what is a Sthritha Pragna. And then 56 is actually about how does the person sit, which is how does he... Uh, you know, conduct himself in the world in terms, sorry, how does he control his, his, uh, his senses? And, and that phrase was very interesting, which is, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going a bit around. So the second one was, how does he talk, which is how does he respond to situations, which is the first sentence of 56 is all about Samatvam, which is what we have uh, sort of seen in 48, I think. And then the second part is Vita Raga, which is kind of getting out of the cycle of Ragabhaya and, and Shoka. Uh, and, and then it goes on to 58, which is 
how does the sitta pragna sit or controls himself or restrains himself in the in the real world and that's the example of the tortoise that uh, that somebody somebody made and then the key word there is indriyani indriya arthabhya which is full control of the senses which ultimately has some sort of a sort of is it's a funny way of saying it but it's 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 got sort of a mind of their own right which does not respond to the intellect the, the way you want it and therefore you need to train those those senses to to kind of act in a certain way pretty much like what alpana said about the the elephant uh, you got to train the elephant so that it listens to the to the mahot right uh so i'm quite quite liking the the sequence in which the whole thing is going it starts with the four questions 55 is the first answer 56 and 57 is the second question and then i think 58 we're getting to the third one which is around how does the uh enlightened one sit in terms of how does he withdraw or control themselves from the world at will Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. And I think uh, you know uh, uh, another thing I want to mention, and, and probably it's a little controversial again. Um, you know, the Buddhist method of meditation, Buddhist method of practice, right? Uh, somehow, uh, I get a sense that you know they they are also saying the same thing, but they don't express it as clearly as what uh, uh, the Gita, the Vedanta says. There, it seems to me that um, their the practices what they what they say seems to me especially the vipassana practice right it's very powerful i've gone through it they seem to say that okay you know um, the way one of the ways of one of the ways of managing your mind is to uh, control the inputs that gets to your mind through the five sense organs okay and the way that they emphasize that the emphasis is not on how to manage the inputs that come to your mind but how to not get the inputs you see the difference right and somehow that does not work after some time because you know you cannot say that you know i'm going to be in a shell all the time and not get inputs that's not going to happen so in their meditation do they block out all the distractions is that how they focus yeah what this what they say is that uh, don't react to those uh, inputs but the But point is No, don't react is one response, right? But the point is, react with intelligence is second response. That's what I'm saying. That process and react and respond. That part of it they don't emphasize. Not that I'm not saying, you know, that they don't do it. Uh, uh, they're doing it wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying maybe uh, their emphasis is on something else than on 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 what it can also be. But but how does the blocking the signals help in a family life? That's exactly the point. The point is exactly that. The point is, you know, it it won't it won't work. Yeah. It won't work. Okay. 
So that's where the sannyasis, the first step they do is like go away from civilization, go into a mountain or a forest or something, right? They don't want the dungeon of uh, family life or uh, civilization to interfere with them. So probably that's their first step. And once they gain that maturity, maybe they can come down and be that uh, insular thing in uh, civilization too. Yeah, we'll actually get to Shloka 60, which will talk about the same thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rajesh, if I may come in, um, I actually still think that you have to start with some sort of suppression or dhamma uh, so that you can train your mind to start moving away from those senses. So to me, it's a hybrid approach rather than just saying that this will not work. I think you the way I... Like, for example, you know, going back to Chaturmasa, last year, I did have to control myself to not go for that cup of tea. Uh, so that to me is Dhamma, isn't it? And till you get to the point where you can sort of suppress it to a point where it doesn't, where, where you know, it's not vital to you, uh, only then you go beyond that. So, uh, and, and at least in the uh, Shat Sampati, it talks about that, right? If I'm not mistaken. So, so therefore, to completely negate uh, suppression as a technique is, in, at least in my understanding, it's uh, not hundred percent correct. No, you're right. Absolutely, you you cannot. It has to go hand in hand. But what I'm saying is that the overemphasis on suppression will will lead to a challenge that that we will end up dealing later. Unless until right, you know, okay. we figure out a way of transcending that. Probably again, that might work with materialistic things and tastes and senses. Some some senses probably it may not work with all the senses. No, no, Lakshmi, you'd be surprised. The moment you start controlling, uh, one starts controlling, let's say that sense of taste, the rest of the things fall in place. Trust me on that. Yeah, exactly. No, that's exactly right. Okay, even so materialistic food. Okay, we control the food. Your body changes, your mind changes. Trust me. Okay. That's so, so, so true. <laughs> I mean, that's what we, I think, uh, I experienced a whole lot of that last Chaturmasa and starting this one, again, it's the same thing. Everything just gets better somehow <laughs> when, you, when you start eating very uh, selectively. Okay. Maybe because as a, without knowing, your willpower is increasing, right? So... That that yeah. that's yeah. that is helping overall. Yeah. yeah. By the way, this is not a plug for Chadurmasa here. So. <laughs> let it be. Let it be, Rajesh. Why not? <laughs> Vidya. <laughs> oh, that is funny. Um, I I wanted to comment on what Lakshmi said and uh, my little experience that I had yesterday. Um, so we had uh, 10 families from Westford. Uh, we went for a picnic and I didn't know many of them. Um, so I thought that maybe I should go and check out like how people are. And none of my family members wanted to come. So I said, I'll just sign up and I'll go. Um, slowly, my son said he will come. And then uh, my husband said, okay, go check it out and call us. And if uh, the place is good, uh, I'll bring... Um, my daddy, that is uh, uh, my father-in-law, his daddy, and uh, my daughter. So the whole family will go. So finally, we ended up going, the whole family. And of course, I made idlis because everybody else was 
North Indian, Gujaratis and Marathis. I was the only South Indian. Um, I made idli and sambar and I took there. Didn't know you were South and, Indian, Vidya. <laughs> when I compare with them, then I'm South Indian. When I'm comparing with <laughs> the actual South Indians, then I'm Chom. <laughs> Isn't it? Um, right point, Rajesh. <laughs> so, but I did identify myself there as uh, a Chom, a Rajasthani. Anyway, coming to the point that I was trying to say the experience, um, I served idli to my father-in-law with sambar and some doklas and everything. He, he loves eating. And the first thing he said, he tried with his spoon and he couldn't pick the idli properly. And he said, it is so hard. Who made this idli? <laughs> he didn't know I made it. <laughs> Who made this idli? And uh, they didn't put the rice amount correctly. They must have put the more rice amount than the, you know, he gave the proportions and um, I was, that's the time all these um, shlokas just came to my mind. I said, there's nothing to react. He's just saying that idli is hard. <laughs> it was such a blissful moment. Um, and when you said about idli, Rajesh, this morning, I, I just went back to that moment. <laughs> and I was laughing to myself that every day we have to eat idlis and again, the you know, saga will continue. So Lakshmi, what I was trying to say is that he commented that. So I took his bowl, I cut the idlis into small pieces so that he can eat it. And he really enjoyed because the hot sambar was good and the other things like batata vada, everything was good. So he had a good meal. And then my husband comes and he says, everything was good, but that idli was very hard. <laughs> he tells my husband <laughs> It was so, funny. <laughs> so let me continue the whole story. But I didn't know he told my husband all this. I had already gone past. I enjoyed. We came back home. Um, and I came home and then I asked him, like, how was your day and everything? I was. He was relaying this happened. That happened. There was something to talk uh, because he had gone outside. It was like a you know, fun day for him. Uh, and then said, you know what? I told uh, Ranga that the idli was very hard. And he said, idli was made at home. <laughs> and I'm so sorry I told that. But I also told you. <laughs> and I said, you told the same thing, but the relationship between me and you will not change. The relationship between your son and you will not change. And he just looked at me like that. I would have never said this if I had not gone through all this. I would have never said that. I would have controlled my anger, but you know, there's something to control your anger, your desires, your emotions, but there's something else to say. And you will, I would have never done that. And, and just wanted to say that to Lakshmi that when you start doing whatever, Chaturmasa, or just listening to these things, or just thinking that the other person is same as you, then you don't have that difference. Then you can truly say, even if you feel, Sometimes you don't say it, but it just comes out. So, so maybe try whatever everybody's saying and someday you will come to that position. And of course, I also have long way to go forward, but it was such a pleasant That's very profound. Evening. Thanks yeah, for sharing that. Uh, that's, I'm sure your, your uh, <laughs> father-in-law would have gotten an aha moment at that point. <laughs> yeah, but 
yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very profound story. Thank you. Yes. So, Vidya, I invite sure. you to write a blog, The Idli Intelligence, and write this thing up and send it to all of us. <laughs> Between your Idli story and Rajesh's Idli story today, I think I want to go eat Idli today. <laughs> yeah, it's yummy with hot sambar. And for those who are practicing Chaturmasa, Idlis are allowed this month. So, we are good. <laughs> Without sambar, though. Yeah, yeah without, without sambar. sambar. Without yeah, the real I, sambar. <laughs> I made sure eat I didn't put with? any garlic or any onions, nothing, and made sure that I only put carrots. <laughs> wow. I don't know awesome. whether other do chatur masa or not, but, you know, consciously I was thinking of that. Um, we had good fun. Good picnic. Lovely. Thank you for sharing, Vidya. That is beautiful. Yeah, I also wanted to share, you know, when Rajesh was saying about the Sith Prage, I think one thing which I have uh, heard and read is uh, one practical tip about Sith Prage is you lose the, uh, the right to complain. That's one big practical tip. You don't do that, you are Sith yeah. Prage. Yeah, it's not about the right in the sense that you just don't complain if you're stupid right now. Yeah, but I think when you start with, you just, you, you've lost the right to complain, so you cannot complain, so now deal with it. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I like how you said you lose the right to complain because you you think that you you have the right to complain all the time. That, that's what you think. And actually, it's not there. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah, till it becomes... What again? Choicelessly, effortlessly, helplessly yours. <laughs> Till then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the next stage here. Yeah. So is Sita Pragya a state that you reach and then if you got it, it's like a degree, you got your Sita Pragya, or is this the phase that you go there and come back, go there and come back? No, no, no. It's actually that's why it is called the stabilized wisdom. It's not going and coming when you are established there. That's Sita Pragya. We are still in going and coming, Sri. <laughs> that stage. Yeah. So basically, what 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 Vidya means is that the next time this Italy incident happens, maybe she'll react differently. <laughs> maybe yes, that's possibility. <laughs> Till she becomes the Pragya. Yes, yes. I wonder. I wonder, Vidya. I wonder if it was your husband who said that. <laughs> I'm sure you would have reacted the same way probably, but in general, I'm putting that question. If your husband said that, what would your reaction would have been? My husband is, uh, sorry to say that. Of but course, my, he I, wouldn't say, but in general, if just he, in case. He eats, like my father, he eats whatever is on the plate and he doesn't complain. Only when it's good, he will say. Whereas my father-in-law is very particular about certain things. That's who he is. So, you know, and what what you're asking is a very good question. Everybody is different. And we just need to understand that that's who they are. And the moment we understand that's who they are, like how uh, Alpana said, the right to complain goes away. You know? True. Um, true. Um, the so then I the comparison that... of uh, your husband to your, um, you know, father-in-law to your father also goes away. Yeah. The the reason I asked is my reaction to elderly versus younger people is different. So that, that's why I asked. Not that you would, but yeah. Ah, okay. 
<laughs> and and reaction to spouses is totally different exactly exactly spouses versus kids is different so that, that that's why yeah. spouses yeah, is special to, special category you, you know if you're driving and if you got a, if you got a spouse sitting yeah. next to you it's Rajin, it's a challenge sorry she wanted to see spouse first then she manage elderly and elderly you know that is how she is pregnant <laughs> 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 we can Vidya, laugh a... about all this right <laughs> so vidya there is one one of the 20 values is you know shanti so which is like acceptance without <laughs> you know without any conditional of this thing yeah but <laughs> absolutely you know, reach there so, so just, i just, wanted uh... to bring uh, one one um, one insight that when when alpana said this give up the the part of not self right in the beginning of our and uh, you know that really struck me with <laughs> this idli incident is that when when i told my father in law that the 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 part of you know me being his daughter in law and the part of my fa- my father in law and my, my husband's relation would never go away and when alpana said this uh, and that's when idli thing was going on um when alpna said this i thought of when our relationship to the self doesn't go away it's it's the same thing it's that relationship of who i am or who we are that i is actually the self when that relationship sticks i don't know if i'm making sense but when that relationship sticks it's a different uh it's an eye opener it's a, it's a different world i don't know if i'm making sense but that's what i got when alpana said that sentence so just attack you know trying to bring what was going in my mind what she said to idlis and and the experience i had yesterday to what we should have experience every moment so i'm just trying to bring that together thanks alpana Muku, you were saying something. Yeah, thanks. I, I actually, it's a joke. Uh, my my guru always says, from the context of spouse, uh, if you are single, enlightenment is a luxury. If you are married, it's survival. So I just wanted to kind of mention that <laughs> the context of spouse. Yeah. Also, just had one more comment. I think on uh, Sri uh, Krishna's. Um, comment on stada pragna right when you meet people you ask uh, stada pragna and then um, some people say my guru is and some people say uh, i am not or whatever right and then there's an implicit expectation when somebody says he is we tend to think he is egoistic but somebody if you meet uh, if you ever happen to meet a stada pragna in your life he will unabashedly say that he is because the fact is he is not Did we lose him? How do you? Muku, we lost you on the audio. Oops. All right. You have to say that. The fact. Can, can you hear me? Yeah, we can. Uh, yeah. Can you hear me now? Okay. All right. Sorry, it was just maybe in my internet. So, yeah. The fact is, when you meet a Sudha Pragnya and ask him a question, 
most of the pragnas are established there it's like saying somebody asks you a question are you a man are you a woman right to a, to any of us the answer is without doubt we say yes right as somebody who's established in siddha pragna that state is like that so there's no ego there so that's why we got to be very careful how we form opinions around masters we can never ever judge an enlightened being uh, they're just an ocean uh, which uh, which can doesn't have boundaries which doesn't have rules uh, they just exist to give ex- give us all an experience of the same space it's the only context with which they act and interact and um, one other example people said somebody gets angry like in the context of osho he drove cars whatever right so lot of enlightened i mean every enlightened master once he is established in that ultimate enlightenment uh, the only purpose of him even interacting with anybody is to spread that light right that's only context because nothing else can you can add nothing you cannot add anything more to an enlightened being either in terms of physical pleasure mental he they're just established in the cosmos right from that context the only interaction they have with people is to give the same flame to you light the fire in somebody else so that they can also experience that state in which they all blessed to experience it that's the only context an enlightened being always moves around interacts and everything else so from that context everything is a device for somebody else to become enlightened uh, so if you look at bhagwan osho's life everything the cars are a device his rolls royce his golden watches are a device right he was never touched by it nor he was Im- impacted by it but people were either getting envious about it or people were getting attracted to it right so everything is a device to trap people into a seeking a, a kind of asking a bit, becoming a mumukshitwa uh, and then hopefully they journey on beyond that point so a truly enlightened being always would be using everything as a device and this i am speaking from you know having lived with a guru for 10 years even a, a, like a smile from a guru is unless there's a purpose of your transformation doesn't happen i always say even a guru looks at you through a corner of the eye it has to have transformation context in us because it's very very clear you can add nothing to him you can add nothing to him so that's a context so i'm just saying we have to be very careful when we meet gurus and interact not bring our frame of references into things because they are beyond all that even they say like ramakrishna when vivekananda asked have you seen god he said yes as a matter of fact yes uh so you will see that i'm saying if you meet if you're ever fortunate to meet a true one then uh, you will see that uh, that they they're not there's no ego in it this is a matter of fact statement just a comment on that because it's a lot of times we miss gurus because a lot of these ideas we carry it's our ideas on them they are beyond all that just a comment there so absolutely very well said no, very that well was... said thank you beautiful all right we are at 7:30 and uh i'm just wanting to check what shlokas we will do for next week should we move forward i think we should move forward i think uh, uh, with vidya with your upcoming blog i'm sure we will internalize this 55 to 58 very well so uh, i am pitching for your blog and i've already written three options for you to choose as titles and i've sent you on whatsapp so you can write the blog now <laughs> okay so uh, we finished 58 right so should we do 59 uh, 59 and 60 tomorrow for next week 61 till 61 okay 59 to 61 okay so with that uh, you know let's get to a concluding uh, prayer i just want to add one thing yeah. from 50 58 if i can uh, just yeah. one one part which is quite important that uh, 
uh, when we talk about these uh, controlling the the senses and the mind uh, i think an, a, key, a key aspect is at will so it's not that you need to do it all the time etc etc but it is at will you should be able to do that so i think that's very that's quite key to this shloka yeah back to you rajesh rajesh you know just one small you know doubt actually you know so some of these uh, you know especially you know, i'm talking about swami sri's books uh, you know under the english translation of the shloka many of the shlokas end with a question and where it doesn't actually fit in so what is the meaning of that actually i also had that thing i th- i thought it was a typo no but it it appears in multiple places actually yeah it's like you know one typo which is got repeated in multiple ways that's what i assumed actually sorry it's I at the end right yeah like if you if you are if you look at the uh, book you know if you look at the book and say look at 56th shloka that english translation part it ends with the question mark right and and, and you will find that multiple 58 again there is a question mark so you mean to say that multiple places uh, yeah that's a that's a printing error it seems with what rajesh was saying yeah i think it's a printing error because look at look at uh, professor vk's book right he also has those shlokas and there is nothing because i also caught on to that so when i was reading professor vk's book then i saw that there was no question mark so i was say okay i'm not missing anything it's not a trick question there okay all right so let's uh, conclude with a prayer om sarve bhavantu sukhinah sarve santu niramayah sarve bhadrani pasyantu ma kaschiddu थैंक यू सो मच एवरी वन हैव अ ब्लेसड वीकेंड एंड सी यू अराउंड नेक्स्ट वीक थैंक यू हरिओम थैंक यू